volume three chapter eight of the rebel rose by justin mccarthy and rosa campbell prayed this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight a stroke of hate and treason lady saxon's carriage stopped at mary beaton's door on the following morning she sent in one of her prettily worded imperious little notes begging that mary would see her on a matter of some importance and she was admitted to the young pretendress lady saxon's manner when she came in was full of frank smiling audacity this was her way when she had a point to gain and a blow to strike she preferred when she could to strike her blows in the open and the defiant gleam in her eyes the almost insolent carriage of her superb head with its gold coronal of hair showing beneath her bonnet the glittering hardness of her smile made the girl recoil instinctively as she rose to greet her visitor and gave her the feeling that she was facing an enemy mary had been sitting wrapped in her dream of love tremulous a little excited and restless and uneasy too falcon's strange grim manner of receiving the news she told him perplexed her his silence which was like the silence of desperation troubled and grieved her this was not from any definite fear that he might forbid and prevent her marriage with bellarmin she knew that his powers as her guardian were limited and that in a few months when she was twenty-one they would come to an end but she believed in his real affection for her and to cause him pain to wound him in his dearest devotion was grievous to her she would rather that he had hurled violent reproaches upon her would rather almost that he had ill-treated her in his anger she had a feeling that she had given the old man his death-blow she told herself remorsefully that it must be like a sentence of death to him to learn that the last of the stuarts had resolved to link her great name with that of a mere modern london politician of no solid reputation a hanger-on of the hanoverian dynasty a man of no historic lineage no fortune no real claim to distinction except mary said proudly to herself the claim of having made her love him oh there was more she could not have loved him had he not been brave loyal and noble in heart and conduct like one of the old knights she liked to think of this was his claim and our poor proud princess felt a certain glory of renunciation and surrender a glow of sweet exultation at the thought of what she was giving to him of what he had had the courage to win at the thought that his knightship of nature would balance all her own shadowy claims to royalty all her historic greatness her ancestral inheritance that she was giving all this to him and that he was giving to her what was of far greater worth so she told herself now modern practical energy and talent the career of a nineteenth-century Englishman, and all the old virtues as well, truth, stainless loyalty, perfect devotion. Lady Saxon seated herself at Mary's invitation. She fixed her large eyes, which were unnaturally bright, on the girl's face, and began in an odd, abrupt manner, without any prelude. Miss Beaton, I am going to do a rather unconventional thing but i am a woman people say who is given to doing unconventional things i am going to make a confidence to you i am going to tell you something about myself do you mind mary hesitated she had never liked lady saxon she did not wish to be taken into her confidence 
something told her that the confidence would not be of a kind with which she could sympathize i don't see lady saxon how it could be of any use we are so different you and i and we should be sure to see things differently i think it would be far wiser to tell it to some other woman who would understand you and your world better than i do no said lady saxon that is the very reason why i have come to you yes you and i are women of two opposite types we each represent a different order of things you are of the old type i am of the new you represent the noblesse oblige idea and i she gave her shoulders an expressive shrug i do not frank is it not but i never pretended that i was of noble birth i haven't any chivalric traditions of course we see things differently that is just the reason why we should meet as woman to woman mary looked at lady saxon with a kind of wandering dignity she was at once moved and repelled by the woman's curious appeal and by a certain ring of suppressed feeling in lady saxon's voice still she said i don't understand why you should come to me i am going to make you a confidence as from woman to woman said lady saxon slowly we will talk about the why afterwards there is a man who a few weeks ago was wildly madly in love with me is still i have every reason to believe one hears a great deal about the fickleness of men but a man doesn't change his whole nature in six weeks since he cannot be my lover he will not be my friend it is women of your type not mine who inspire the pale medieval thin-blooded kind of attachment in a fit of pique or let us say of stained-glass sentiment he is on the point of proposing to a girl of higher rank and fortune than his own whom he admires but does not love as he loves me i am very fond of him said lady saxon looking straight at mary with her bright fixed gaze so that the girl's eyes drooped though i cannot love him in the way that he wishes a deep painful blush came over mary beaton's face as she looked up her brows were puckered with pain and she still kept her eyes away from lady saxon but you are married she said in a low voice yes i am married repeated lady saxon she rose from her chair as she spoke and moved a little back from mary do you think that because i am married i am above all womanly weaknesses she said again there was that peculiar intensity in her voice mary rose as well and the two women stood fronting each other an icy hand seemed to have been laid upon mary's bosom though her mind had not yet grasped directly the bearing of lady saxon's words she had only a vague chill feeling that they boded ill to her lady saxon deliberately unfolded a letter she had in her hand and held it out to mary if you read this she said you will understand everything and you will be able to advise me what to do mary shrank involuntarily but she took the letter in a bewildered way and looked at the first page she knew the stiff rather large note-paper which bore the stamp of the house of commons she seemed to know the writing too though she did not identify it at all or connect it with herself 
she had only received one or two notes of a very formal kind from bellarmin and this the fateful letter of which the young man had repented sorely since had been dashed off at night under the influence of excitement and impulsive feeling and was in a freer bolder more reckless hand than that he usually wrote the wording was plain unmistakably plain the ardent expressions of love stood out before mary's eyes like letters of fire she read a sentence or two there was no mistaking their tenor a sudden horrible dread seized her she flushed a still deeper crimson and thrust the letter hastily back i don't want to read it she exclaimed it is not fit that i should i have no advice to give about such a thing as that as you please lady saxon replied coolly it would be to your advantage all the same to read that letter miss beaton for it was written only six weeks ago by as you see rolf bellarmin she had dexterously turned the paper and held it before mary's eyes in such a manner that however much she might have wished to avoid looking at it the girl was forced to see the clear bold signature rolf bellarmin and above the signature more passionate lovers words which in the quick glance almost instantly averted burnt themselves upon mary's brain she turned white as death and stood very still and straight with eyes that seemed as though they had seen a ghost but it was only for a few seconds that lady saxon had the triumph of feeling that her own sufferings were in part avenged if lady saxon possessed the courage of temperament mary beaton had the courage of race she braced herself to the effort and met lady saxon's malign smile with a look of unflinching steadiness the fact that the letter was written by mr bellarmin does not make it a concern of mine lady saxon she said very quietly with lips that did not tremble except that since he is a friend of mine i am sorry he should be unhappy we will not talk about the letter any more i am sorry that you should have had the trouble of bringing it here and that i should be so unable to give you the sympathy and advice you did me the honour to ask for and then she turned to a table near and took from it a large and beautiful panel photograph of herself which lay there this came from arndt's to-day she said i hope that you will think it good and that you will accept it from me i remember that you asked me to give you a photograph of myself not long ago and i had none which you liked shall i write my name on it she went to the writing-table and with an unfaltering hand wrote mary stuart beaton in the space at the bottom of the picture lady saxon thanked her and admired the photograph and then bade her good-bye she paused a moment just as she was leaving the room and looked back with a curious expression on her face at the stately girl in her clinging draperies standing very erect with her head a little raised you are a brave woman madame she said and i admire you and perhaps i understand you better than you imagine when next rolf bellarmin talks radicalism and progressive toryism to me i shall tell him that there is something in the noblesse oblige idea after all as lady saxon drove away she saw a handsome dash up and rolf bellarmin descend from it there was a look of eager hope and boyish happiness on his face which scarcely faded as he raised his hat to her though in truth at the sight of her a curious little shudder passed over him it was not a good omen to see lady saxon at his princess's door 
mary had given orders earlier in the day that bellarmin was to be admitted at once to her presence and she had not countermanded them so he was taken straight to the boudoir he did not know the room well it was not mary's habit to receive ordinary callers there it was broken up with screens and draperies and the blinds were partially drawn giving the impression that the daylight had been purposely excluded as from a chamber of mourning at first he did not think that she could be in the room for there was no sign or sound of greeting when the footman announced his name he stood in an uncertain way in the middle of the floor and laid his hat down and then he became aware somehow that mary was on a couch near the fireplace and that she had her face turned away it seemed almost as though she were in grief and perplexity and did not want him to see that she had been crying or to speak to him till she was composed again he went towards her with both hands outstretched in eager anxiety madame he exclaimed oh is anything wrong mary stood up and came towards him but she did not put her hands in his as he had fondly fancied that she would do he had lain awake all night picturing to himself the glad emotion of that meeting and now the hour he had so longed for had come and she had no gladness or sweetness for him she was pale strange constrained struggling he could see to keep down what she was feeling was it sorrow or was it anger and scorn oh surely not that what had he done to deserve that yet the look she turned on him had in it a kind of outraged majesty he grew very pale and drew back a little tell me what have i done he asked in a low pained tone is everything changed since yesterday did it all mean nothing and i was so happy and so proud he added with deep poignant reproach for you had said that you cared for me was it all a mistake i had no right then to dream of such happiness you had no right she said slowly with her eyes down and then she suddenly looked up at him and her eyes indignant large and smarting with gathered tears burned into bellarmin's very heart why did you come to me she said with a wave of passion were there not others that you should come to me the bewildered young man could only stare at her a horrible suspicion breaking in upon him mary made a rapid step or two and stood with her face to the darkened window evidently fighting against the storm of feeling within her presently she turned to him and said in an altered tone and with a certain proud frankness mr bellarmin you told me yesterday that you loved me and you asked me to be your wife i was weak and foolish enough to think for a little while that it might be and that i could love you and give myself to you i made a great mistake you are not the man whom i could love or to whom i would give myself i told you to come to me for my answer and that is my answer she made a gesture as if she would have dismissed him there and then she wanted him to go she could not be dignified and gently determined with him as she had been with sir victor champion there seemed a kind of mockery in the similarity between the two cases both had been bidden to come to her for an answer and of both before the answer could be given had the same story been told was it to be her fate always to play a humiliating second to lady saxon must every suitor of hers have been lady saxon's victim but in her fine scorn mary drew a subtle distinction between that early episode 
the amour at which falcon had hinted commonplace horrible contemptible yet not so contemptible she fancied as this oh if it had been any other man and not bellarmin who had so loyal a face why did he not go why did he stand there silent dazed looking if he stayed and questioned her and went on gazing at her with that manly appeal in his eyes she knew that she must break down and betray herself past recall and of what use were explanations and recriminations now had she not lowered herself enough had he not humiliated her enough in leading her on to confess her love oh no no this man who six weeks ago would have been lady saxon's lover was no mate for her this was not the man to whom she mary stuart beaton would have proudly given herself he did not surely understand what it was that he dared to ask for did he think that she was to be bought with a six weeks warm devotion and a heart with which lady saxon had played battledore and shuttlecock the fierce contempt which swelled up in her bosom seemed to gather in a hysterical lump in her throat and almost to strangle her it will be better for you to leave me now she said very low i have nothing more to say no other answer but bellarmin would not submit so tamely he went close up to her his face very white and set and his eyes brave and earnest i don't question your right to make that decision madame he said i never dared to hope till yesterday that there could be any other i knew very well that i wasn't good enough for you but i think i have a right too after yesterday to know why you tell it me like this if things really were as you let me think they were yesterday and his voice faltered and softened with infinite tenderness then i think you should do me and yourself the justice to tell me why they have changed so suddenly i cannot tell you said mary if you do not know you must know why you should not have come to me yes he said after a moment's silence i do know for at that moment the face of lady saxon seemed somehow to come up before his eyes he saw her as he had just seen her when he was at mary's door and there was a smile of malign satisfaction on her lips and he knew all a whole flood of light was poured in upon him many things of which he had only vaguely thought before were clear to him now he knew that he had an enemy and that mary had the same enemy and he knew that his soul had been prophetic when it warned him of evil to come from the wild letter he had written to lady saxon oh you do know mary said and a new blush came over her face and there was a ring of pain and scorn in her voice yes lady saxon has been with you mary nodded assent without speaking and she has told you something about me which has changed you to me in the faintest voice and with her head partly turned away mary answered yes she has shown you a letter from me she has i didn't read it all i didn't want to read any of it but she insisted on showing me part of it oh and it was enough 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 and i didn't know who had written it at first or why she wanted me to see it and she told me who it was and she made me see her name and that is all mr bellarmin and it is enough for you and for me there we need not speak of it any more she is a wicked and cruel woman she is a traitress to you and an unprovoked enemy to me i am sorry for you mr bellarmin from my very heart but there it is all over 
and can you really cast me off in this unpitying way because of one act of folly because i allowed myself to be made for one moment the victim of a woman like that can you make no allowances oh have you no pity pity oh yes my friend i have indeed i feel for you and do you think i don't feel for myself but all the pity in the world wouldn't make you what i so fondly believed you were what did you fondly believe i was that i am not now he asked with something like anger in his voice my lover she said sweetly and simply my own true lover not the confessed lover of a woman who has had oh so many such odious loves no it is a cruel disappointment mr bellarmin and a cruel calamity yes to you i admit it as well as to me but there it is and we must meet it the man i would have loved oh let me speak it out plainly now for this once the man i loved doesn't exist now he is gone and you stand in his place and you are not my ralph bellarmin my hero my lover she let her arms fall as with the gesture of one who would signify that all is over he felt stabbed to the heart i submit he said after a moment of deep silence i don't complain i don't make any appeal to you mary i accept my sentence i have deserved it it is right i should bear it no i am not the man who should be your lover you are right i am not worthy of you i seem to myself only like something impure as i stand near you well i will go yet he did not move he stood looking at her perhaps in some faint hope even still that she would take pity and bid him stay she looked suddenly up and saw his appealing eyes fixed on her she shook her head sadly yes you must go she said she turned away like one physically tired and sat on a sofa a little distance away he moved towards her some steps he took her hand he seemed about to press it to his lips but she suddenly withdrew it and covered her eyes with it he gave a low cry of pain good god he exclaimed do you believe me unworthy even to touch your hand oh no mary said earnestly forgive me i hardly knew at the time she gave him her hand again good-bye for ever he asked despairingly forever yes we may have to meet of course but yes i understand i am heavily punished but i am not disputing the justice of the punishment still only think of it mary think of what i might have had and what i have lost and listen i have not been so bad as you think perhaps it was only that one absurd letter it was nothing more than that oh you must understand me you must understand what i mean it was only a moment of folly nothing more nothing i had thought of you as such a hero she said with a strange pathetic smile and now you are only like other men oh why did you ever make love to me she broke down at last she burst into a passion of tears perhaps if he had seized her hand then and kissed it and poured out his penitence to her and told her of his unalterable love for her and her alone she might have relented even then and taken him to her heart but he would not he had his own pride and his own sensitiveness and while he admitted his wrongdoing he had yet a sense of wrong done to him 
of a punishment meted out to him far beyond the measure of his fault and he would not ask for pardon he would not plead any more for pity i am so much ashamed she said and she writhed in the mere pain of her humiliation but i couldn't help it i did love you so much and i thought so much of you and it was all only an illusion and a disappointment and i should like to be alone please there let us shake hands this once more he took her hand and pressed it lightly and then she drew it away it was very cold and tremulous as he held it for that one short half moment he moved towards the door he paused a moment thinking perhaps that she might say something but she did not speak and he left her without a word she heard him go downstairs then she ran to the window like an uncontrollable girl and looked out to see him depart will he look back she was thinking no he did not look back he went doggedly on his way she returned to her sofa and she buried her head in its pillows and sobbed as if her heart would break bellarmin hurried away from the house he did not quite know where to turn to he had a vague longing to be alone somewhere to let his feelings have their full way piercing through all the pangs of his rejection by mary there came every now and then the thought of lady saxon's treachery so then she had betrayed him she had come between his love and him mary would have given herself to him but for lady saxon she had lured him and led him on to write that fatal letter which she had used as a spell to blight his life little he thought in that moment of the house of commons and of his parliamentary career and of the crisis that had come and the rising political flood which might be expected to float him up to success he was thinking only that he had lost mary beaton and had lost her through lady saxon in the bitterness of his heart he was inclined to curse lady saxon and yet the manly truthfulness of his nature broke out and made him say to that embittered heart that he ought rather to curse himself he looked back with contempt upon himself and upon the moments when he had yielded to his unworthy passion for the woman who had now betrayed him in such ignoble sort he did not want to see her again he did not want to write to her or to reproach her there came back upon his mind in a curious grimly humorous way a recollection of the scene in the once famed now forgotten beggar's opera where mckeith betrayed by his faults true love and suddenly confronting her for one moment before his captors have power to seize him he strong well armed and desperate standing face to face with the traitress he drops his hands and only looks into her eyes and asks was this well done jenny and jenny shrinks away from his mild remonstrance more abashed than threat or violence would have made her End of volume three, chapter eight.